Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin. What's happening? I awoke at 4.30 in the morning for my 7 a.m. flight <laughs> to Denver, and it is 11.25 right now. I'm in my hotel room. Got a good break with early check-in. Didn't get one uh, in L.A., but got one here. Um, normal people would nap right now, Kevin, but we got a podcast to record. What's up? No napping allowed. Hey, uh, Kevin Durant signed a lifetime contract with Nike, and that just got me to thinking, like, what would you sign a lifetime contract for? Like, if you could pick anything. Um, like, so, it, like, practically, I want to say, like, a gas company, right? Like Chevron yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> um, but if it, it, like, I'm thinking, like, food or clothes, like food, my mind goes to Chipotle and they give like that card. Like maybe that should be my new life goal to be famous enough to get one of those Chipotle cards. Yes. Yeah. You know, like I don't have any great ambitions of being a reporter on ESPN or a talking head on first take, but maybe I should try to be that just so I can get a Chipotle card. I'm sure like the majority of those guys can get a Chipotle card if they try to. This is like the genie in the bottle thing. Like if you pick one that's like, I want a lifetime deal to be a talking head. You will get the Chipotle card as like a result of that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But, I was but it's not, it's, too. I will be far less happy. I will have unlimited Chipotle, but my happiness will be at a low. At a <laughs> That's true. Just do Chipotle then. Speaking of happiness at a low, uh, no, that, that doesn't really work for this. But <laughs> I'm, I'm happy because I have a hoodie on dude. It's, it's like 50 degrees here. Isn't that insane? It's going to hit a hundred here. Congrats. Yeah, that, yeah, no, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I will welcome that, having a hoodie on right now in April somehow. Um, I'm in Denver because the Phoenix Suns are going to play the Denver Nuggets tomorrow, Saturday night, in game one of a second round series. We uh, kind of talked about the series just a smidge at the end of game five, but like we said there, we wanted to not fully flesh out. We're only going to go for about 20, 25 minutes here, but kind of lay out our overall thoughts in a more uh, the reason why we do the podcast in the first place to like extend our thoughts a bit. So I have the series previews going as always two of them are live right now. And then by the time you're hearing this, a third one will be up on um, KD. And then later tonight, I'll have the fourth and final part, which we'll get into uh, that. I'm not going to spoil just yet. So you have to stick around. What's that fourth part he's talking about? I want to turn it off, but what's the fourth part you're going to have to, Wait and see. Did you watch the new Ted Lasso? Uh, not this week. I I stole that bit. Uh, fifteen second spoilies for for Ted Lasso. He just has these he, these four things for his new system, and he won't tell anyone what the fourth one is. And everyone's trying to guess what the fourth one is, <laughs> and it's just like they never. He's like, nope, that's not it. I love it though. And so that that's my thing now. Everyone's gonna try and guess what the fourth thing is. Uh, okay. I, I think we should start here. In terms of basket, past basketball to apply to this series, I think that is part of the uh, allure of this series is that 
we feel like we know this matchup pretty well, but I don't think we do. Uh, part of my preview going live today is going over Chris Paul and how he utterly dominated that series. I think people forget how masterful he was in those four games. It was two years ago. It was against a team without Jamal Murray. Contavious Caldwell Pope was not on that team. They did not have Bruce Brown or Christian Braun Brown. Like they, their bench wasn't as good. Obviously, the Suns were a a deeper team, quote unquote. But they didn't have Kevin Durant, so they're a completely different team now. And then even in the regular season, Kevin, you will remember Restgate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Denver did not play their guys and. Michael Malone in his press conference yesterday said, and I couldn't tell how tongue in cheek this was, but he was like, well, we didn't, we didn't play any of our guys, but they played their guys. So we got to see them a little bit. And it was like, is that, is that a thing? Is it? <laughs> so, so all of that is to say how con- uh, we'll start there. How confident do you feel in terms of your read on how these two teams match up given the, given that you could feel confident, but there are reasons not to as well. Dude, I have no clue. Um, I will say, I think I teased a prediction. I don't even know about a prediction right now. I I think Denver has a lot more games, and this is where the continuity thing can kind of actually be a thing. But I I feel like it's a toss-up. I don't even know what the point is in me picking. Um, I I think it's going to be really tough. But again, I think Suns are in a good spot um, because the matchups are not terribly against them like like it makes sense how these teams match up and i i just don't know um what we're gonna see because also a thing that you gotta mention in all this is chris paul was just such a big deal in that series because just like how they attacked the nuggets on switches and how the nuggets dropped coverage on their pick and rolls and this team doesn't operate exactly the same way anymore um and they're gonna have to rely on him a little bit to do that and they might do the same thing where it's late in games but i think just there's a lot up in the air right now even though we feel like we know both of these teams i i agree um the so if people can't tell the way that i write these series previews typically it typically has to do with which team that i think I tend to focus more on the team that I think has to do more to win. And I think that's Denver. So that kind of that process of previewing the series and feeling going through what I feel like I need to talk about more of it was towards what Denver needs to do as opposed to what Phoenix needs to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm not leaning. I'm I've got sons and six right now. uh, And I want to go sons and five, but I feel like that's kind of too disrespectful to, the team that Denver is when it's at its best. But part of their problem is that they, you can, again, uh, another part of this, that's hard to, it's hard to pick how much you want to take into it, which was their seven and 10 end of the regular season, which with constant Michael Malone call outs of their effort and all this stuff. And, and things like that, Uh, Jokic pretty got in, not animated, but uh, got some pretty, grab worthy quotes uh, out of that. And then in the Minnesota series overall, I was not really that impressed with them. I thought that Minnesota was not really a layup necessarily, but they should have been, if the Nuggets are a team that is going to win the West or is the team that is that should win the West, I think that that's a Nuggets team. Uh, a Timberwolves team should be in four games. They were tripping over themselves constantly with live ball turnovers. They didn't have Nas Reed. They didn't have Jaden McDaniels. Those are two of their six or seven, I would argue, two of their four most important players. I think that Conley or five, uh, I'd Conley, 
Edwards, Towns, and then those two guys. I, I would put them above Gobert even. And Gobert defended Jokic well in that series. That's the thing Minnesota had going for them. But I watched quite a bit of that series. And yes, their Denver's defense was good at times, but I don't think Minnesota is just like a good offensive team either. So I, I didn't read a ton into that, and I didn't read a ton into what we talked about before. But to go back to the previews, the real um, thing that I laid out in the one today, Kevin, is that there's a main question that Denver has to answer. And there's a main question that the Suns have to answer. And both of them pretty much have to do with if they're going to win a championship this year. The Suns one is obviously the continuity chemistry, getting uh, Kevin Durant involved, cohesion, all that kind of stuff. Right. For Denver, mm-hmm. it's it's if they have a championship caliber defense. This has been the main talking point around them is that if they're a good enough defensive team to win a championship. And I think that both of these things kind of come to a head here where for Denver specifically, this you're facing the team that kind of didn't really look that all together offensively. And then you look at the offensive ratings from the first round, Kevin, and they were 122 in the five games against which is which would be by far the best offense in the league. Um so and that was against a physical, versatile, scheme heavy, scheme versatile kind of team. So that just makes me even more optimistic about Phoenix in particular and and them getting to match up with the team where its main question is on defense is is a thing. Um, what what is your read on Denver as a defensive team based on either like the personnel, what you've seen from them this year? What do you think? Are they, are they better than average? Because I think they're obviously going to need need to be better than average to win the series. I think they're at least average. I mean, I read that low. I don't know if it was Lowe's piece. I, yeah, it was a low piece. And it, like reading that, I think they're capable. It's just a matter of like, okay, two of your – three of your your starters are not good defenders maybe i don't know if jamal murray you'd say is average or anything but like Jokic is limited at the very least like he's he's smart he's good but just athletically um like that was the whole deal against the suns two years ago is just you can't have him doing a whole lot out at the three-point line and um i didn't watch a lot of the, the, the series just cause I was busy or whatever, um, against Minnesota, but like even the clips you put in with Anthony ever Edwards, like in pick and roll coverages, especially like, it's not going to be the same where the Clippers are just outright blitzing, even hedging, no doubles. Like, I don't know if you saw them go that aggressively at Ant Edwards, um, like they might bring him up to the level and, and kind of get in your way. But I, I have big questions about how much better the Suns offense can operate if books are able to even just flip his hips, look and get a pass off out of the pick and roll, even if they're semi-aggressive. Um, so I think that being said, like they're capable, but the Suns are going to pick on Michael Porter Jr. The Suns, could get a switch and pick on Jamal Murray, make him play defense. Um, pick on Jokic even, depending on what they're doing with him. So I think there are a lot of different avenues where, unlike the Clippers series, it's like, oh, this is going to be a grind. I think this offense could start clicking and finding things. And then it's just a matter of, okay, can the Suns be an average defensive team and, and at least kind of slow down a really good offense? Yeah, so on, on the coverage point, um, typically Jokic comes to the level. And what we saw, and Malone kind of talked about this yesterday, 
what we saw was that Jokic came to the level. And then do you remember how many plays I had in those game previews for that series where Aaron Gordon or Austin Rivers or whoever had two feet in the paint as the help defender on the weak side. And then Chris was just slinging into the corner over and over again. And so then they were getting burned there over and over again. So then they went to more of a drop and then Chris went to absolute town against them. And and I'm really focusing on Chris here because I think that he is, I think Deandre is easy to say, if I'm going to stick with the X factor thing again of the series, I think it's easy to say it's DeAndre because of the matchup that he has against Jokic, but I do believe that it's Chris because in that series, he had 41 assists and only five turnovers. He shot 63% from the field and he didn't miss a free throw. He was 22 of 22. And essentially the way that I put it as is when Chris is running, is running the offense, that is when the motion and the fluidity of it is going to be the healthiest. Now, that's not when Durant's going to be involved in the play as the lead ball handler necessarily. But if he's able to be implemented more as a screener or just like a quick decoy running through the set as opposed to sitting in the corner when Chris is doing it, that's when you level up even more. But even if Kevin is doing not necessarily the decoy thing, but what he did a lot of in that Clippers game, which is being a spacer and allowing them to play four on four, um, guess who's going to guard Kevin Durant? Uh, Kevin, that's going to be Aaron Gordon. So now Chris is playing four on four with Jokic, Murray, and Porter on that side of the floor, basically. And he could just go to absolute town there. I, this is a big series, I think, for a lot of guys on Denver. And I think Jamal Murray specifically is going to prove a lot for himself just in terms of what he has to do defensively because they are going to go at him. They are going to go at Chris, obviously, on the other end as well. But I think Jokic tries really hard and and knows they know how to play that system of him meeting at the level recovering and he does his best with it but if those two guys are just doing that i think that chris and book will really run them down over and over again and i think it's going to be really important for Tori or josh whoever's starting plus kd plus deandre to be able to receive the pass right away when the doubles come or when the traps come or if the drops come Chris needs to confidently step into his mid range and then book obviously will do that, but that's just like the base of it. That's like step one for Denver. Cause if they can't get past Chris doing that, then they're going to have no shot against Durant doing it. You know what I mean? Like if they, if they try to run at the level against Durant, he's going to kick it in two seconds, not even two seconds, like a half second. So that's where I have concerns for Denver offensively and I think that or defensively and I think that it's it's a good for them that Michael Porter Jr. is going to be able to guard the fifth starter but they're going to use Tory or Josh as a screener guess what they just came out of a series where Tory was the screener for a bit of it and then Josh has experience being a screener he knows how to flash the middle like they are going to go at Porter the way that they did two years ago and from everything that I've read and like the little bit that I've seen of Denver he has not made big strides since two years ago when he was the pigeon in the series so I just think there's a couple of different really big problem areas for Denver defensively that are going to have to be seen right away. Now, guess what, Kevin? If Chris Paul comes out and looks like the Chris Paul we've seen more or less of this season, then this completely changes everything. And it's going to have to be Durant being the fluidity of Durant in the offense is going to have to be there. But if that's not there, then it's book superhero. And I don't think book can superhero them to win this series. So those yeah. are my three main things from a preview perspective and where I'm starting with the series is if Chris looks great in the offense, you don't absolutely need necessarily for Durant to be super fluid and within the offense. But if 
and and then if you get you no know, Chris, but then Kevin is there, that's that's fine. And then you get Book, obviously. But if you cross those two off, and then it's just Booker again, that's where they could run into serious trouble in this series. Yeah, because just you're going up against a much better offense, right? And to me, I don't know if we, I don't think we talked about it on our last post game pod, but there were little signs of advancements in the Suns' like offensive operation. There were a few and maybe literally two, like Booker Durant pick and roll actions. And if you start seeing more of that, then there are big problems, whether like whether you switch those, whether you're hedging and then recovering out of them, because if you swing it, like then the Suns can just attack different dudes on like Chris and DA pick and roll stuff. So I think that was a sign that the Suns are getting places is what I'm trying to get at. And like, look, if you just say run a pick and roll, defend Dev- Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, I don't know why we have not seen that that much until I, I really think it was game five where I noticed it. Maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me. But if they start sprinkling stuff like that and Denver's going to have to start or they're playing from behind to start, I guess, in game one, and they're going to have to correct. So that's where I'm most curious to see in game one if we see a little more different stuff like that. Give me your so I part two, I went over Jamal Murray, and I think it's it, it it reveals itself when you read it that I'm a big fan of him and I think he's gonna be a super legitimate problem in this series. What have been your read read so far on how he's come back and how he's looked at the playoffs? Yeah, I mean it it's hard to say with Minnesota. Um I I think, but he looks like he's at least got the confidence and just like seeing his interviews and stuff where he has admitted like, yeah, it's been a long road back. Um, But he was that dude, like in the bubble, I believe. And even dating back to whatever year that was when Canada beat the United States in like under 19, I believe, or under 20, one of those tournaments, national teams where he like, is has been the super mature i guess volume score in a way for a long time and when i see guys in those this is kind of the darius garland thing it's like when guys are on national teams and they just look like adults from a very young age ricky rubio is another one um to super date go back in time um i always love those guys because you know that like coaches have just been coaching them up at high levels in high intensity situations and they're primed for big moments. So I would expect him to have a big series. Um, and it's going to, like you kind of have said, it, it might be on Devin Booker to kind of cool that off to the best of his ability. Yeah. To, so to transition into that, uh, the way that I looked at it is like, okay, Okoye could start and then he could be on Murray. Um, but if Tory starts, I think that, Booker is actually the best option, and I think Tory will continue to start. Um, and then I think I think Booker is a better option that allows you to put. Um, if I'm if I'm running down the list here, I think Chris is going to be on Contavious Caldwell Pope. Obviously, mm-hmm. Durant is probably going to be on Gordon, but it depends on which matchup they view is more taxing. I believe it will be Porter, which is where Craig would go. 
Um, now Booker could cover Porter and then Craig or Okogie could cover Murray. And I don't think to be clear that Devin Booker is going to guard Jamal Murray the whole series, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was the guy to guard him the most, or at least spend a significant chunk of his time on Murray. The question that I loomed at the end of the pod, uh, the preview was they're messing with this thing right now with his minutes. Um, did you did you see that part where basically the load management era kicked in and then no one was playing these minutes ever again? Like, yeah. There was just this moment in time, basically. I'm, I'm scrolling to uh, find that statistic right now. So over those five games, Booker played 216 minutes, and there's only 240 possible in those. He and Kevin Durant both played at least 216 minutes. They became the third and fourth players in the last eight postseasons to reach that threshold, 216 over five-game span in the first round. The other two were were Dorian Finney-Smith and Pascal Siakam last year, and those are not – I guess Siakam is more of a high-usage player. But essentially what happens when you look at this up on StatHead, Kevin, is like in 2015, 14, 13, 12, 11, there's like a couple of players, and then in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, like those uh, early odds, late odds, whatever you want to call them, um, there's like a handful of players. There's like eight to 10 a year. And then at 2015, it just stopped. It just stopped. They got the data. They got all the sports science stuff in and it just stopped. And we saw two last year, but Dorian Finney-Smith, more of an outlier in terms of what he does. And then Siakam, that's just Toronto being Toronto and desperate. Um, but the Suns were desperate in their own right. So what I posed as a question is, are the Suns going to continue to look at potential long-term burdens for Booker, whether you want to view that as the Western Conference Finals, the V Finals themselves, or even later, um, the wear down that could come off of this and him playing not only, let's say he's down to 39 minutes a game in this series. Um, If he's guarding Murray, those are going to be a lot more different 39 minutes than they are going to be. But then again, Kevin, he guarded Westbrook a lot last series too. Like he wasn't just guarding someone off of the ball when he was being awesome on defense. And then I included all the clips and just the showings of just like how he's been just really, really good on defense. And I think Murray specifically is the perfect type of point guard for him to follow because Murray isn't necessarily hyper explosive. Like yeah. John Morant, that's, that's a whole nother thing. De'Aaron Fox, Steph to a certain extent, but I think he can really guard Jamal Murray because Murray's more about craft. Murray's more about like quick little first steps and stuff. And Booker's always had a really good read of those. He's always been really good at like, we're guarding each other. Mono a mono. I'm going to look at you here. I'm going to look at you there. So I think that he's got a shot, but I mean, I'm curious to see who he guards. And then and I think I can kind of leave it there. Kevin, uh, do you have anything to say on Aiden and Jokic? Cause I, it kind of speaks for itself as well. And I, I think the piece does the talking for my end, at least. Not really, man. It, it's just super curious. I mean, it, I guess we could approach this with DA every series, like which one are we going to get? And we got the mixed bag Aiden against the Clippers, and yeah, I mean, I will say this, that he does tend to get up for playing an Jokic over a Zubac, so if you want to be optimistic and hopeful, um, he always does play those guys pretty well. He's engaged more is the trend, but we'll see, man. Um, like, Jokic probably remembers two years ago when he didn't play so great. He does for sure. Um, do you think Denver's bench is going to be a big part of this series? That's my part four. I think Denver's bench could swing it. Uh, Brown and Brown, the law. Do they have like a law firm situation there? 
who's who else is on their bench um well they're spelled differently um as as yeah. monty put it the other week i gotta go back and listen to it because i think we're talking to kevin today so i want to ask him about it and specifically what monty said which is that he said something to the, along the lines of like when moses parted the seas i'm sure that jeff green was there yeah <laughs> um and and jeff green from what i can tell has been more of a i hate to put this uh not the air i'm not going to do an aaron holiday test aaron holiday award whatever you want to call it thing here but the landry shaman thing of like this is the infuriating player for their fan base this year <laughs> and it seems like jeff green has been their guy this year where he's been pretty inconsistent for them but he was good in the minnesota games i was watching and he was he was good and they were playing small kevin so Did, i think um, i think if the suns do not lean into small ball and they put biombo out there and they allow and jeff green's playing well again and they don't use durant at the five which i don't think they're going to i would like to see them obviously do it as a basketball fan but also just it's the smartest thing for them to do uh but i'm i, I don't think we'll see it at least at the start of the series and i think those green in particular, the Browns, Kevin, is something I mentioned in that part three that's dropping today as well, because Bruce Brown, really good defender. Christian Brown, really good for a rookie. Could Porter like be on the bench for closing games? I don't know if that's a thing for Denver yet, but I don't know. I, I think Bruce Brown's going to have a huge role in this series. What do you think about their bench? I, I'm curious if they get wonky. Did they play any other bigs like Jordan or um... – What's his name? UCLA rookie guy. I don't even know if he's under standard contract, but Peyton Watson, um, uh, Peyton Watson's more of like a four, three kind of wing dude. Uh, Deandre Jordan got very low spot minutes. Zeke Naji did not. And, uh, okay. and Thomas Bryant, uh, Oh yeah. Trade deadline acquisition. Kevin, remember that, <laughs> that, cool. that, that did not work out great for them. Uh, Peyton, they used him as a small ball five for like portions. And that was when they were kind of resting guys at the end of the season. I wouldn't expect that, but if they wanted to get really weird, he had flashes and he did not pass the Aaron holiday test, but he had some good games or it's like, huh, there's something there that he definitely didn't show at UCLA. So there is to a certain extent, but uh, I think Bruce Brown on Chris is going to be a thing in the series and on book as well. But I think Christian Brown, um, if book does not post him up by the third quarter of game one, I will be very surprised. I'd miss him. He's going to yeah. do it in the first half. He loves that stuff. Uh, posting up a young and teaching him how it goes. Um, yeah, maybe Watson is another body to throw on Duran. I would assume that's going to be Jeff green. It would be really fun a retrospective 15 years later with how their career started with each other, that they're both small ball fives in 2023 yeah. guarding each other. And that would, I, I'm rooting for that. Obviously, as you can tell, yeah. I've always been, I've always been a big Jeff Green fan as a, as a whole, as I've talked about on the this most pod a few times. Oh. Yeah, ahead. sorry. D- just the most interesting part is they have a couple guys who can guard book, right? It's Contavious can hold up pretty well. Bruce Brown, probably too small. Um, Aaron Gordon can hang decently as a big body on him. But then it's like, okay, if you have enough to stop them, you're allocating dudes and who guards Kevin Durant, right? So I think... The more I think on it, it's like this is this is Kevin Durant time. This is Devin Booker cannot do the same thing again. We talked about that, but also um, just how the matchups should work should make it Kevin Durant time. I agree. I predicted him to have a monster series in that part that's going live today, and I think that is going to be the case as well. As I wrote, if he's able to average 28 a game on 52% shooting with Eric Gordon, Terrence Mann, and all those guys like banging into his stomach and his hips every five every five seconds he's on the floor, imagine what he's going to do uh, in this series. 
Do you have anything else that stands out to you from this series? We didn't talk about the Suns bench at all. Campaign could be back. I think that more or less ties into our thoughts from before, right, Kevin, where we were like, okay, you've got Biz. You've got a Kogi or Craig, whichever one it is. You've got Damian Lee if you want to play him. Um, it seems like that should be the end of the road for Shamit, but we'll see. Um, any thoughts there? Just like if you get campaign kind of more integrated, his wind is back, which is tough in Denver, I guess. But like, I think he matches up. They don't have to worry as much about switching him on certain guys on that bench unit. And he, he really should help give them something extra. I would think. I think you will as well, friend. You got a prediction. I'll go Suns and six again, but I want to, I want to lean in like heavy feeling heavy, heavily, fairly confident in Suns and six and I'm leaning Suns and five. I'm going to go Denver and seven. Whoa. Explain for 30 seconds and then we'll go. I just don't know. Chris and DeAndre have to like be on. I think KD and Book will have a decent time, but they need help from someone. Or the bench magically comes up, but Monty has to be willing to play them. And I think, yeah. So a, a brief aside, I have listened back to our finals podcast from when they were losing. And then I've listened back to some of our Dallas podcasts when we're losing, because I think it's important to like look back at what went wrong. And you specifically, after game five of the NBA finals, were just really dead set on like, they just don't have him enough help. He doesn't have enough help. Like Chris has to be much better. I think Mikel has to be much better. I think that DeAndre has to be much better. Um, and you've always flown that flag. So this winds up with you, right? Where I'm, I believe that it's either Chris or DeAndre is the biggest X factor in the series on either team. And if that is the case, which it kind of feels like you're agreeing with me with, and it speaks to why you would, you would not have a level of faith in Chris and DeAndre. That's basically where you're at, right? Yeah. I, I think it is really the continuity thing maybe with nuggets have gone through it a lot. Um, And this is only the conference semifinals. This isn't like I'm picking Denver to like go win a finals, but I I just have a lot of questions and I I think I can be completely wrong. You have convinced me to, trust more in the Suns, which I think is fair. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a lot to kind of imagine the Suns becoming something that we haven't seen, I guess, is why I'm just apprehensive on them, I guess. And if you see what you want to see in this series, which I think you're going to if they win it, you're, you're probably going to pick them to win it all, is kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Like, that's that's where I can swing my, like, I'm going to stick with it probably. And then I'll probably admit at some point I look dumb and wrong, but I'm, I'm fine with being dumb and wrong sometimes, you know, we all have to be friend. I mean, I picked the Lakers to win in that uh, first round series two <laughs> years ago. And I still admit it to this day when people probably long forgot by now. Um, we hope you don't forget to check out the podcast. We will be recording again after every game. If you're new here, we'll be doing it after every game in the playoffs. Um, we might do like a midweek check-in next week too, because they have three days in between games. They play game two on a Monday and then they're back in Phoenix on Friday. So maybe we'll check in midweek. Not sure. We'll do something though, but uh, here we are. Paris Johnson, six overall, just happy, happy to be here. Hope they get <laughs> the thing is Kevin. I was looking at the start of the second round. I was like, just take a football player. That's like not a tight end. Like just, just take a center or whatever but every like they're so bad at so many areas that it's just just take someone you know a good that's hot, that's player. 
just take a guy that is graded like in the early to mid second round and don't reach for, don't do the Raiders thing and like reach for a corner that runs a four, two, three that's graded in the fifth round, please. That's all I ask. Okay. Is that too much? Okay. No, that's fair. Okay. We'll be back after uh, the game tomorrow night. Everyone see you then.